Amen. So those of us who will remain, will remain. Keep saying it, and it sounds like, not just I'm in a cave, but it sounds like a little bit of a cliche at time, or you're just going through some formula. But God is not just doing something amongst us. We're able to get to the place where we're able to quantify, that was quick, we're able to quantify what God is doing in our midst, amen? And I said to you last time that um, I ministered, I have a tendency of picking up where I left off. Yes? And probably about three months ago, we started to look and we asked ourselves to the question, what do I need to add to my faith to stop me from becoming unfruitful and unproductive? And we spent a few sessions and we were going over that and we don't need to go back into it today, but we're going to come from that reference point. And we turned around and said there were four things that we could define. Revelation. And an understanding that the Holy Ghost is stirring the hearts of men across his church. Well, thank you for your underwhelming response. God is stirring the hearts. Let's just hope it's yours that's being stirred in the first place. We need an understanding of both God and myself and why I act the way I act. We need the skills and understanding to do what we can do and do it even better. That we have to build our skill set. And the final point of that was a redefined life. Now I have put my hands to the plow. I am called to be mobilized to go and do what he tells me to do. It's not just about my opinion, but when the trumpet calls, I respond to the trumpet. And if he says left, I go left. If he says right, I go right. It's not a time to stand at the crossroads and start arguing with the sat-nav. For those of us, maybe especially if you're a guy, we've had the sat-nav that maybe you've had on in the car. And the sat-nav is allegedly telling you the best way to go. And you know from your own experience, if I go that way, it's going to send me a dummy. So I'll turn it off and I'll reset it. You can't turn off the Spirit of God. He's got our best interest at heart. And if he says turn left when you think it's better for you to turn right, he still knows what he's doing. Amen? There are journeys that we have to take at times that we don't necessarily want to take, but he knows it's for your benefit and it's only in hindsight looking back we look at the treasures the benefits the skills the uh, whole experience that we've learned from that we wouldn't have got the scripture declares and I will reveal to you the treasures in darkness there are treasures that we find in the dark that we don't always find in the light but who wants to go and run into the dark Not me. I am not volunteering for it, but at times when I go through an experience that I find his faithfulness, I find his heart, I find his love towards me, I find his word to be true, I find that he's for me and not against me. All those things I find when it seems that there's not... Do you remember those old Disney films like uh, Song of the South and it was like zippity doo 
zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day, and all of a sudden a bird appears on your shoulder and it starts to sing and whistle and all of creation's joining in. When you're having a great moment in God, it feels like all of creation's joining in. Does it not? But when things aren't going well, you feel like there is no response from anything. Everything seems dry, it seems barren, but you know what? God is still there. He is faithful, true, and unchangeable. What needs to come into alignment is me and not him. Amen? So we finished last month talking about one key thing. We said it's time to start talking to your mountain and stop talking about it. We can moan about our situation. We can look about how woe is me and the life's unfair. We can look at all of these situations or we can start to take our position in covenant, take our position in the atonement, take our position as we find ourselves in the word and launch from that place. Oh, well, that went down well. We launch from that place. If you remember, we used the banner at the front here as an illustration and we said the guy stood on the mountain looking at the other mountaintop. We have in our lives mountaintop prophecy. I am here and I'm going there. We don't see the journey in between. We don't see the valleys, the hardships, the going down, the climbing back up again, the how hard it is, the energy that I need to use, the bruised knees, the grazes, the blisters, the nails that are breaking off when I'm trying to clamber back up with everything that I've got. But I see mountaintop to mountaintop. But we don't want the journey in between. Guess what? You signed up for all of it. You signed up for facing some fears. You've signed up for having a life that would change and you had a life and you signed up for moving from one degree of glory to the next. There are no settlers. We have a pioneer mentality, whether you like it or not. Get your Davy Crockett hat back out of the cupboard, put it on because we're not settlers. We're going back into the wilderness and we're taking back that which is his. Amen. So I want to change tack with us this morning. Now, I'll be honest with you, this has been part and process of something that God has been speaking to myself in over 21 days. But I believe that as him saying it to me, is also saying it to us as a house. So the first reference point and the first person I am ever asking this question is me. Is that all right? It's been part of my prayer, part of my cry as we've been pushing in. But hopefully this morning, we can get some clarity on one issue that I believe is a major missing part to us as individuals and corporately as we come together. Is that all right? Now remember our key phrase, do not bear with me, build with me. Draw from the word where the word is speaking to you. Do not close your heart to the Holy Ghost. If it's not you, it's okay. It's not you. You ask yourself the question and you move on. Is that all right? But we start to sow into the house this morning. So let's get to the question. When was the last time you gave any thought or consideration to the fear of the Lord? When was the last time you gave any thought or consideration to the fear of the Lord? What it is, it's benefit for us the process of it, and what is the outcome. Fear, the dictionary definition says this, it's an unpleasant emotion caused by threat, 
danger, pain, or the fear of harm. So that is an unpleasant emotion caused by or the threat of danger, fear, pain, and of harm. Surely that cannot be our understanding of how God is with us. Surely we cannot have a picture in our head that when we come into the corporate body that we face an ogre God. That we've got a God with a huge stick who beats us, who wants to prod us, who wants to keep us down, who wants to keep us separate, who wants to keep us subservient, who wants to keep us nothing but worms. Surely that cannot be our understanding in the body of Christ. If that is the understanding of how God would portray himself in his word, then do you know what? He disqualifies himself. Because in his word, he dictates this. He said, perfect love drives out how much? Okay, right. So if God says he is love and he is perfect in that love, if he moves towards us, fear must, fear must leave. So his expression of the fear of the Lord to us has to be different than fearing that he's going to bring me into danger, he's going to bring me into pain, and he's going to bring me into harm. If my religious understanding is that as soon as I step out of line, God is there to give me a slap, you're wrong. If I feel and every day I must cower in the corner... Because what's God's going to do to me and he's going to bring harm to me and he wants my worst for me, you're wrong. My perception is wrong. The fear of the Lord is this. It is to walk in reverence and honor knowing that he is. Shall I tell you again? Fear of the Lord is to walk in a reverence and honor knowing that he is. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, it is there that we have fellowship with him and with one another. Fellowship is not burger and chips. Fellowship is not putting a kettle on. Fellowship is walking in the light where he is in the light. And when I walk where he is, then I will have not only just fellowship and continuity with him, I find understanding, I find different aspects that start to drop open. Now, as I said... 21 days started to just rekindle something inside of me. A fire started to go where I started to ask myself the question of, my God, about the fear of the Lord. You know one of them things where you feel that the Holy Ghost is pulling on one particular string? And I started just to ask that question. Lord, do I walk in the fear of the Lord? Lord, do I recognize you on a daily basis? All of those things I was asking, and I started to come up with some conclusions. And the conclusion began with this. And it was Pastor Tony's fault. It was his fault. He started the ball rolling. On 21 days, when we had an awesome encounter on that first Sunday night, there was a statement made that this would be the springboard into accessing to him, causing accessing to me. Accessing to him, returning access into me. Yes? And that was how we were setting everything in. But do you know what? If we're really honest, that's where many of us don't even get off the starting blocks. Access one way, access this way. I want to pick up, I want to put down. I want it all on my terms. I want to do it the way I want to do it. But my God, when I say accessing to you, I want all of heaven's best that I can draw on. But the bits of me that you want to touch, well, we'll maybe need to negotiate that again. 
We maybe need to go back to the drawing board. Now, poor old charismania gets a bit of a bad rap at times. You know, we blame everything on charismania, don't we? Well, we've got slightly flaky because of charismania, and we do this because of charismania. Charismania brought us an awful lot of good things. But one thing that it did do, and I believe has done, has left us with a residue in the body of Christ, is that we've all become buddies with God. God's me buddy. We sing songs, I am a friend of God. And is that right? Yes, it is. But do you know what happens when you're buddies with somebody? You become familiar. And in that familiar, you say things and do things that you wouldn't normally do. We come in and we go as we want. We have no protocol. We just decide that in any environment, it's all about how I want to do things. And we walk out high-fiving Jesus on the way out. Hey, it's Jesus. He's not even King of glory, King of kings, Lord of lords. At that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess under heaven, earth, and under the earth that he is Lord. It's just like, hey, Jesus, hey, G, me, mate, hey, big J, high-fiving. We've become so familiar in the body that even when God turns up, it's, well, God's here. And if I want it, you know, it's kind of, do you, do you want gravy on your chips? Nah, no, no, I'll leave the gravy. I'll have, we kind of have got to the place in church where everything has become an option. So even when he starts to come and we call on him to visit, when he visits and when he turns up, we're still in the place of going, well, I don't even know if I really want it. Because our actions back to it don't reflect the fact of what's in our heart. We spend all the time building, calling, preparing, and then when he comes... We can't actually be bothered. You ever had one of those times when you're really hungry and you think, do you know, I could really do this. And you think you had a picture in your mind of what you want for your tea. And then you're a good lady or yourself. You decide that's it and you get it and you put it down. And when you've got it, you kind of go, I don't really want it. You ever been there? I've gone off it now. We can spend all of our time building, shaping, walking, preparing, having our hearts filled through the week. So come to the place of when he's here, I don't really want it. And we've lost that kind of fear and reverence. Charismania has left us with one thing, we've already used the word. And that is that we've become a very familiar generation. Now back in the day when Adam was still a lad and I first started work, you could not call a member of management by their first name. It was, excuse me, Mr. Platt, can I have a word, uh, Mr. Elliot? You could not have gone like, hey, Platte, David. But you did any of that, you know you're the one on the receiving end of a DCM. You know what a DCM is, don't you? Don't come Monday. If you didn't show respect in the workplace, you were swiftly brought into alignment, was you not? Those of us who are over a certain age know that you cannot act any way you want in the workplace. When I was growing up, I didn't call my neighbor Mary. It was Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. This, Master That. You never called somebody with the flippancy of somebody shouting, Hey, Gwen, where I sometimes cringe on the inside when my kids growing up would shout, Hey, Gwen, because you go, No. That's Mrs. Barr. But now it seems like a bygone day. And I'm not trying to bring back all that bygone day. 
but it's the lack of honor and respect has gone right across culture. And as it goes across culture, we also carry it in here. Would that be fair? We've become mates. So in mates, there's no hierarchy, no recognition and honor of position. The way you used to treat a policeman and you would respond. If a policeman called you, it was almost you dub your cat very quick because this guy had the power not only to clip me around the ears, but he was the authority on the street. Now you only have to watch one of these kind of police things on and they're grabbing the cops and they're spitting on them and they're treating them like all kinds of stuff. And in my mind, I've still got that picture of my one encounter of a policeman when I was about seven or eight being scared stiff, thinking that guy is still the one who's going to grab me by the collar. So if that's the one, I better respond in a different way. The way we spoke to a doctor, the way we spoke to a minister, the way we spoke to people in positions of authority, there was an honor for what they were. I might not like the person, but I still had to honor where they'd been. I honored their rank. I honored what they'd done to achieve what they achieved. But when I come into the house, I'm still high-fiving the big G. Hey, big G. High-fiving is in the presence. We've been reading the scripture. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let's backtrack. Hallowed be your name. What does hallowed mean? Hallowed to make holy. Hallowed to highly honor. Hallowed to be sanctified. Hallowed adoration and praise. When I start to see God as he is, the holy one, the one who's going to be all honored, the one who's sanctified, the one who's worthy of all praise, all glory and all adoration, and I think I can just run up and high five him, something's amiss. And I wonder why at times... God has a tendency to turn his back. Do you know that's his right? That when we come, he goes, when you seek me with all your heart, then you'll find me. Pastor Tony's used the term in the past. We are not looking to the casually interested. You cannot pick him up and put him down, and believe that you are going to get the intimacy of the throne room when you come day, go day. That makes sense? And you know what? I'm as guilty, if not worse, than anybody. We'll get into the presence, and then do you know what can happen? You can slip straight into, right, now let's try and work this out mode. I'll try and work out the environment. I wonder what God's saying. Why is Veronica doing that? All of these things and distractions that come in, I can just get lost in all the moment and forget that the king of kings is here. There is a difference, and I'm glad there's a difference. In the past, in the old covenant, man could approach God once a year. When the high priest would take upon himself the sins of the people and go and stand and walk into the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifice for a nation. Is that Bible? We don't need all the verses, do we? That's Bible, yes? This man would be in a process of not only just once a year being able to get into the presence, but he would be ceremonially clean. He would be anointed with oil. 
He would have brand new garments. He knew and he understood that he was walking on holy ground. And do you know what else he did? Do you know what wonderful thing they did? And it was, all you guys who'd like to be Morris dancers, the early priest was the first to have the bells on his clothes. Why did he have bells on his clothes? Because if I hear the bell, he's not dead yet. They tied a rope around his foot just in case he didn't make it. Because if he didn't make it, they could drag him back out again. That was the honor of the fear of the Lord. If I entered the presence incorrectly, there would be a consequence. That consequence was, you wasn't coming back out. Now those of us, again, who may be more worldly than others, and you lot won't admit it, who's watched all the Indiana Jones films, and we get to Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, even when they took the lid off the ark in the film, and what happened, if you didn't respond correctly and work according to what his word was on his protocol, what was caused to bless you is going to get you. We see the story of the men carrying the ark, or putting the ark on a new cart to bring it back to Jerusalem. And the man's intention is just to save the ark when it looks like it's going to fall off. And when he touches it, he dies. Why? Because there is a protocol. Don't put it on the cart. Put it on the shoulder of the priests. God is concerned for his presence. He's concerned for the way that he visits us. But then we come into the new day. In Christ, and all of these are good. In Christ, we approach the throne of grace with confidence. Through Christ, we have access to the veil beyond the veil. In Christ, we have the thoughts and the mind of Christ. Because of Christ, we have the leading of the Holy Ghost who leads us into all truth. But we have become familiar in a presence that is here a lot. We can treat it Come day, go day. Every time when God is turning up, he's turning up to meet with us, to do something. But that's when we see familiarity kick in. Now, we have a little situation at home. Situation, little roobster. And, you know, for those of us who have been to our house that know us, we have a thing called a dog. Not much of a dog. She's only this big, but it's still a dog. DNA-wise, it's classed as a dog, Okay. And you know what happens? When you're around something for a while, you get to understand its nature. So Ruby will come in all giddy, time to tickle the dog. And then there's a time when the dog doesn't want tickling. And then the words come out. Ruby, don't touch the dog. Ruby, don't touch the dog. Ruby, don't touch the dog. Ruby, don't touch that. Hey, bit me finger. When God comes and you think you can treat him any way he wants, there's times when he say, I'm coming in and I'm putting my arms around you. And other times when he says, you better be on your face. Now, I've experienced both of those. I've been in environments where the presence of God has been so great. I thought, if I lift my head off the floor, I will die. Is that only me? 
Or has anybody else experienced that kind of presence where you go, oh my God, you, and all you can say inside your head is, holy, 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 God, where you are. And you just feel that there's nothing, but God has everything that he's holding everything inside of us. You know, when we said before about fear, that it's pain and harm, I have no problem turning on that light switch at the back. I have no fear of turning on the light switch. But I am fully aware of that untampered or untapered power, what it can do to me if I just decide to hold on to the end of a bare wire. In a moment, he could just snub me out if he chose. But because of what Christ has done, I can access with confidence. I can stand, even when you see it in the New Testament, how a man would fall down when Christ was revealed and Christ would pick him back up. Christ's job is not to keep us down, but to cause us to stand on our feet. But when we look, we must recognize who he is, what he does, and the position that he holds. Is that fair? And what we can often do is just become so familiar because we see it a lot, we hear it a lot, Pastor Tony's used this in the past, and I fully condone, um, condone, not condone, fully endorse, that's the one, not condoning him today. I fully endorse the statements that he makes. Sometimes, go somewhere else on a Sunday morning and see what you get. For those of you who've been to christenings, for those of you who've been to the odd Catholic wedding, for those of you who've been around, dragged out to a family do, and you're just there... Okay, we get so familiar with meat on the table, with worship that prepares a place for him, that the ability for you to be able to function, for you having the ability and the platform for you to be all that you can be in Christ, for you to carry the word, for you to bring a word of encouragement, for making room for the prophetic in the house, for making room for the declarations of the king, go somewhere else and see if you can stand up and say something there. We become familiar. So what are the signs then that are becoming familiar? Would that help us? This is the bit, don't nod. These are the bits where you can speak to yourself, all right? You look backwards to what worked before. You become reliant on the mechanics of the process to get you over the line. Do you realize at times we're more religious than we think? Most of us would say, and I'm sure all of us would say, I don't walk around with a lucky rabbit's foot. And I don't, you know, have to cross myself if there's a black cat that crosses my path or whatever. But it's amazing, much like, do you know how we can fall into elements of superstition? Of course, I'm not talking to anybody in here. But we can fall into superstition. Just look at footballers before they start a premiership game. There are people with the weirdest things in the world. The man who will walk up and has to hop on one leg onto the pitch. And that's his declaration that I will not get injured. To the man who has to walk up and only put his shirt on after he's crossed the white line. Somebody will only tie his shoelace. You think I'm joking, but you need to watch the documentary of Match of the Day. That's what you need to do. 
That's why you learn good skills from Matthew the Day. You find how superstitious people are in everyday life. So then we go, ah, I met with God at this seat. So should I sit in this seat next week? It's amazing how we become very territorial about things because this is where God speaks. Pastor Tony, what's your declaration? Where does God speak? Asda. That's not Bible. That's not Bible. And your experience is not doctrine. But if that's where God spoke, that's where God spoke. Yes? But if Pastor Tony... There, we've got the situation with Harry. The world's ready to fall in. It's chicky-licky time. The heavens are drawing down. He doesn't need to run to Asda. And he's got his trolley going up and down, giving it his best shot, saying, God, what are you going to say today? (laughs) But it's amazing how we feel that God will only speak a certain way and do a certain thing if I respond in a set way. And so I'll always do things the way that I do it. And I rely too much on the mechanic Rather than on God, I make a way in me. God, I know that if I seek you, I'll find you. Is that fair? Next one. This is one, and again, I'm saying I was being dead honest. This is where I can fall down. Because you get lost with what's going on so much. And that is, there is a loss of sensitivity in our worship. Should I say it again? There is a loss of sensitivity in our worship. For many people, I won't say in the Dream Center, you put your own name and address on that one. For many people, they have no understanding or discernment to if God was here or not here. E.J. Sherman, who was a major founder and worker, helped build this house, established the work, was a great man in the AOG over his over his years, was once talking to us as leaders, and then he he, uh, reiterated it in the church. He said, in 90% of the churches I have been in anywhere in the world, they would not understand if God was there. Why? Because, Because of the mechanics... Because someone's standing here, because someone's on the guitar, because somebody said something, you think God's here. Do you know what's absolutely awe-inspiring to me, grabs me right down to the very core of what I am. You read the story in Ezekiel. When Ezekiel, the elders have turned their heart towards God and worshipped the sun, S-U-N. They turn and are worshipping the sun. And God makes this declaration. Oh, my Lord. They can open the doors to the temple. They can work with the people. They can bring the sacrifices. They can maintain everything. But you will never minister to me. Get on doing church. We're caught up in the platform of doing church. And we think because we did church, we ministered to him. If there is no fear, there is no connection, there is no drawing on his presence, we never minister to him. We just get caught in in that whole process. I have seen it. God is my witness. This man and this man are my witness to what I can say in this point in time. You are sat in a meeting. It's all going off. People on phones. People playing games, 
people surfing the net, people filling in Facebook, people doodling and just drawing, the people that come at the end of worship, the people who don't want to give their bit, the people who are actually asleep through the word, who come for one thing, the manifestation and the fireworks at the end. But of course, that would never be us. Do you know what it is? Please, I make no apologies for the statement I make. It's a spiritual one-night stand. I want what you've got, but I don't want you. I want you to make me feel better, but I don't want you. There is a statement that is made, and I'll put it in context for us. There are girls that you might meet on a night out, or men that you might meet on a night out, you never want to take back to meet your mother. Do you know know where I'm coming from? There are people that you meet for your own gratification that you actually don't want anybody to see you with in the light. All right, we're all too spiritual now, are we? We've never been there. Okay, that's fine. We want to play that with God. I come in, I draw from you, this is it. I can all... Do you know it's amazing? And this is why I said both of these men here can witness it, not only God in heaven, that at times some of the worst people to have that kind of life or fruit on them has been the man who runs the church. I am not talking about one here, by the way. But we've been in environments where the man who supposedly, the man, asleep, Facebooking, whatever, but as soon as it comes to a time to show off They're the ones. Now I will be at the front and say, oh, glory, glory, come down. The familiarity must be taken out of the church. We've been talking about an artesian well. We're talking about the house being established. We're talking about the fragrance that's being poured out. We're talking about your kingdom come. We're talking about Christ revealed, the church reformed, the city transformed. None of that happens if we are just familiar. Another place of seeing, if we're familiar, is we hold little or no concern for God, his house, and his leaders. We show little or no concern. If there is a trumpet call calling you to position, will you respond? Well, thank you, the three of you. We know we only need one car then. If there's a trumpet call in this house... We are here, bang, we need to do business. Are you responding? Because we can all nod now. We can all nod and say yes, until there's a next trumpet sound. And we go, hang on a minute, I'm running out of fingers here. I thought I was going to need two hands, and I only need one. When that trumpet calls out, we see a lack of concern for what he is saying is a concern of his heart. So we know, you know in this house we do not have a culture of calling you to an opening of a letter. You know what they say about some B-list B, uh, celebrities? They be at the opening of a letter. You see them and there's Billy Nobody and you go, who's he on telly there or who's he in Heat magazine or whatever it is? I've never, I don't know who he is. And they go, oh, well, if you remember, Big Brother, 1903, third episode, he was the second person voted out. People will turn up because they want to feel important for a moment. 
when we hear the rallying cry, is there a response? Okay. You know, we're fully justified. And the parable works like this. That there was an invitation to come to the wedding banquet. And people said, I can't come because I've just bought a new field. And so I need to go and see my field. Somebody else says, I can't come because I've just bought some new oxen. I've just started a new business and we're all giddy and we've got to give it more hours than we thought. Somebody else said, I can't come because I've just got married. I'm in a new relationship. It's all a love chamber experience and I need to be there. Are all of those responses valid? They're all valid, aren't they? I can be valid in any of those things. Sorry, work's busy. Sorry, I've got to go and look at something else. Sorry, I'm just doing this. They are all valid to you. But if he says, King of Kings, Delma, Wednesday, you saying you're in a new field doesn't cut it. Wednesday, be here. It's all right. doesn't matter. We kind of push it to one side. Do you know what we do? We can hide our familiarity, lack of response to him, behind the one-size-fits-all coverall of grace. His grace is sufficient for me. And because his grace is sufficient for me, and because I know that I have access to him, and I can approach the throne of grace with confidence, at any time, it doesn't have to be Wednesday, Delma, does it? Because God understands. Yes, he understands you're a dipstick. When he calls, will you respond? It's amazing. Please, and I use this in all reverence. I'm not trying to be flippant in any way. We want God to be like the faithful dog. Whistle, and he's here. But when he calls, hang on a minute. There's always a reason why I can't, why I won't, why I don't. Because we become familiar with his presence. There's always next week. Do you know what? There's not always next week. There's not always next week. There is that cry in my heart that I see the scripture with Jesus when he sat on the hillside crying over Jerusalem. And he's crying and he says, you have missed the day of your visitation. You have missed the day of your visitation. Just get flippant, put it in a different parallax, parallax, wrong word, put it in a different kind of setting. You heard the statement before, don't be at the station or don't be at the airport when your train comes in. We can often be in the wrong place when we should be meeting with him. It's amazing how many people say, I need a touch from God, but I can't come Sunday, I'm busy. I need a touch from God. I need healing. Well, we're going to be praying for people at the end for healing. Yeah, but I've got bingo at three. You think I'm being flippant because you don't talk to you. You don't talk to you. All of these things is, I need a touch from God. I need to break through. I need something to change my life. But I'm never going to be found in the place with the attitude and the faith to meet it when it comes. I am sure there isn't one person in this room who has never, ever experienced this. You sat there, there is a meeting kicking off, and you go, do you know what, this would be so good for Andy. This is the word that Andy needs. 
oh, where was Andy? Andy was wherever Andy was. And that could be, that could be Michael, Brian, put any name that you want. We always find that there are times where God turned up and this would have been where Chris would have got his breakthrough. But was Chris there? We're flipping. It's all on our kind of terms. We come and go as we want. We bounce one way and the other. We carry no God consciousness or awareness of his presence. Pastor Tony touched on it this morning. We become numb and desensitized to his presence. Do you know, I'll just share with you, I'm not speaking for Pastor Tony or for Paul at this moment in time. I'll just speak for me, but I'm sure their feelings are very similar. How it breaks your heart that when you know that God turns up into an environment, into a midst, you stand here, you launch that prophetic word, and then God's demanding a response because if you meet, do that, he's going to meet with you in this way. And he's looking at the ceiling, hands in the pocket, finger up the nose. Hey, you stand here and look at our response. We become so familiar, the consciousness and the, awe, and the awesomeness of who he is just gets lost. And we kind of flick by, and you'll hear it. You'll see somebody, in, and they just go, oh, man. God so much touched my heart this morning in that worship. It was awesome. And somebody else is like, yeah. it was your response that made it. Because I'm now distracted, and I don't care. And I've missed half of what's being said. And because I was distracted counting the tiles or doing whatever, thinking what I'm having for dinner or what time did they kick off or wonder when I go to work tomorrow. All of those distractions that come along because I'm familiar with him, things get lost. And I kind of go out and go, what a waste of two hours that was. I have been king of what a waste of two hours that was. But of course, that won't be you, will it? The most dangerous bit is when I close my heart to the leading of the Holy Ghost. When I stop responding to him, I'm in a very dangerous place. It becomes very, very dangerous when I stop. As we said, we become desensitized to all that's going on. And the Spirit's responding. He's drawing on our hearts. We can feel that pull. You get so far. And we've used the illustration before of the fair with the cages where it goes so far. And I never quite have the momentum to get over. Never quite make the journey. Never get to where he's saying on the morning. And I always just think, oh, just fell short. Just fell short again. Because how I live my life through the week, this is your window. Do you know that? And do you know what's not? Do you know I'm not your judge and jury? And I'm glad I'm not. And I'm glad you're not mine. Is that okay? We'll have a two-way street on that one. But when you stand here, you take that mic and you start to launch... In 30 seconds flat, you see where people have been all week. Put on your Sunday clothes. Put on your best face. Put on your lipstick. Do your hair. As soon as you need to respond in the spirit, you can see wherever anybody's been. That's great, that, not it? But that's true of me as well. See, I think this is where I kind of fool myself. I kind of think I've got it all together. And you know what I mean by that? It says that about communication, I think be careful what you say, but they say about communication, 80% is nonverbal. 
Yeah? And I think it's all right. I'm a closed book. Nobody understands or thinks what's going on in the world of Mad Phil. If I'm inauthentic, Veronica will go, you should have seen your face. <laughs> and I'm there going, poker face, poker face, there's nothing. And she's like that going, you should have seen it. You're going, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. I wasn't saying you're an idiot, by the way, but that was Veronica's words. I feel like I've got it all together and you can't see what's really going on on the inside. But as soon as we touch that area of the spirit, bang, it's all revealed. Oh, yeah, if we all want to sing songs, if we want to get caught in happy days, then we'll all just have a clap and we can all be lost in that moment. But then that word comes. Why don't we just engage our spirits? I'm sorry, we're hitting the liftoff button. Nothing seems to be happening. Houston, I think we have a problem. We're hitting the fire button and there's nothing there. Why? Because you cannot use Sunday morning as your fuel and life for everything. I'm just familiar. I'll just get here. I'll just tick the bit that I need. You know, it's amazing what Scripture's like. It gives us parallels. The wise and foolish virgins. We want to live with a lamp that's empty, believing that any time when I need it, because of the grace, I can run to the fountain, fill it up, and I'll be all right to get me over the line. You won't. You won't. So what are the benefits of the fear of the Lord? Surely there should be some benefits. Now, if remembered, it's not fear that will do me harm, that bring me into a place of pain or terror. Yes? This is what the fear of the Lord does for me. This is its benefits. And this is only a few. I could have had a very big long list, but it's only a few. In Psalm 111 and verse 10, speaking or reading from the Amplified, it says this. And we know this one. The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of... And of skill. What do you need to add to your faith? And we need the skills. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and skill. That skill is the application of the wisdom. If you go to the next chapter down, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. So it's wisdom, knowledge, and skill. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It turns a person from the snares of death. So it gives me wisdom. It'll give me understanding. It'll give me skill. And it is a fountain of life. All through that reverence and awe of who he is. It keeps me from death. Death in my relationships. Death in fear, not just death of a physical nature, but where you fall into that death. Pastor Tony touched on something when he started to bring that song of the Lord. Guys, you need to grab this quicker, because I'm telling you, because I'm talking to me, that when we get that song of the Lord, we're not filling time. When we get the song of the Lord, we're not just going, I forgot the word, so I'll sing something else. So when that whole thing this morning, bring life to my body, soul, and spirit, That declaration is amen and amen again. My God, where I'm concerned, you're saying, my God, thank you again. You've come into our presence. You're meeting us. Lord God, I thank you. And you have declared that you are a fountain of life and that there will be life to my body, life to my spirit, life to my soul. I lay hold in that realm again and I draw it down. Or 
you can wait to what time do I need to put on the roast spuds because there's no coffee today. What time do we say is the rugby? What time is some? I can be lost in that moment because I'm familiar with the word. You know, it tells us when we read Samuel that there was a famine of the word in the land. We are not in a place of there being a famine. Do you know what? It's wonderful. Read that scripture. Brilliant, beautiful when you read it. There was a famine of the word. But who was continually in the presence? Samuel. And the Lord revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So there was no famine where Samuel was concerned. So when he positioned himself, even when it was barren around him, even when you're in a stinking meeting, when I set myself up, I will still draw from the fountain of life. But if I'm familiar and I write it off by going, the worship's rubbish today. It might be rubbish. But you know what's rubbish? Because you're rubbish. And I say that nicely. You know what I mean by that. If I'm not drawing and bringing my best, they can work all day. That can be steam powered. Nothing's changing. We've got to get to the place where spirit meets spirit and we draw him in corporately together. Yes? Here's another great one. Psalm 25, 14. The Lord confines in those who fear him. And he makes his covenant known to them. The law confines in those who fear him. And he makes his covenant known. So when we fear him, when we have that reverence, when we're drawing on his presence, when we're not flippant when he turns up, when I'm responding to the Holy Ghost, when I'm saying yes to him, he turns around and says, Veronica, this is what my covenant says for you. I turn around and said, there's healing in my atonement. I said that was broken, I make it whole. I bring life where there was no life. I bring breath where there was no breath. Part of the dawn of heaven, that dew of heaven still comes towards you. When I fear him, that word comes down. It says, I give you the power to draw from me the fountain of life. But if I'm flippant, come day, go day. Well, well, I felt a bit better when I went back and then it was playing up the day after. Do you want the next one? I believe he's great. Love it. Psalm 34, verse 9. Fear the Lord, you, his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Oh, you miserable bunch. Those who fear him Lack nothing. Why? Because he gives me wisdom, understanding, and the skill to get everything that I need. He attaches me to the fountain of life, and he turns around and he says, that fountain of life will push away death. I've showed you, and I will confide in you my word. I will show you the power of the covenant that I've brought you into. You should lack nothing. Oh, God, we might have to say this again. You will lack nothing. If you sit on your blessed assurance, you are getting nothing. Oh, God has favorites. God prefers Andy than he does me. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But if he yields his heart, he moves towards him, he makes a platform, stops being familiar, he seeks him with his heart, he's going to find him. All of this comes about the familiarity. But I still want to be in the position of high-fiving Jesus. The benefits. So what's the process? Take us five minutes. The process of keeping that. 
Love the Lord your God, seek him, and learn to put him first in your life. Do you know what? I'm not the sharpest knife in the block, but even that doesn't seem that complicated to me. It might not be the choices I want to make, because it means putting him first. But if I do that and start to seek after him, then I might just find I'll change quicker than every day with Jesus crossing my finger and hopping before I come into church. Yes? The word tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Not the removal, the renewing of your mind. I start to clothe myself with what he's saying. I start to live in his word. I start to declare what he's saying over my life. If you can get to the place, and I'm saying this is a journey for all of us, where I think, act, and respond in scripture, you are unstoppable. Okay, right. You might need some more mileage on the clock on that one. Come aside for no other reason than to be with him. If I want to be nice to Ange, if I want to kind of snuggle up and be snoozy and be all this with Ange, get it all going on, because I have one agenda in mind, we don't need to paint a picture, do we? Okay, thank you. Because I've got one agenda in mind, do you realize she's smart enough to understand and see through it and saying, you and the dog are on the couch. If there is no coming aside, there is no kingdom come. We wonder why we can have weak, insipid lives, but yet struggle to walk with him. If I don't give him room, if his word is not transforming me, if I'm not holding him in prayer, if his Holy Ghost is not training me, teaching me and building the Christ, I wonder why every time I come, it's on my terms. Surely there can be the time of just saying, you know what, we'll just hold hands and walk down the street. Okay, maybe you're not as romantic then. Learn to quickly respond to his presence always. For if I learn to respond to his presence, it will keep me safe and it will be the wellspring of life. When you can walk into an environment... And as soon as you walk into the environment, the Holy Ghost says, no, get out. Guess what? All of us, I am sure, the teaching and the training of the Holy Ghost, you've walked into an environment and you've thought, yeah, echoes have come up, haven't they? And that radar's gone up. Maybe it's not even you. It's the person you're with and you've gone, radar, radar, uh -uh, get out, get out, get out. And somebody says, we need to get out of here. And you're going, well, I'm just having a bit of a look around. Out. You learn to respond quickly to the Spirit. So when he says come, we come. When he says go, we go. I'm not being too deep for you this morning, am I? Just checking. We must learn to become vulnerable in his presence. Men and women. I feel he's doing something... Maybe I'm choking a little bit on the inside. Maybe I'm pushing back that tear because I better do something, better discipline. Whatever it is, if he's doing something and he's changing you, go with it. 
I know it's easier for the girls to say that than it is for the fellas. Because, again, I'm speaking from experience on this side. And, you know, we're like Jericho, tightly shut up, nothing's getting in. When he's moving on that inside, the term was used this morning. It was amazing because I just wrote it down, one word here. The term was used this morning about circumcision again. Do you realize you are never, ever so vulnerable as when you cut off the flesh? Read the story of the men who were going to cross over to go into the promised land. Not being circumcised in the wilderness. They come to be circumcised. Every man is circumcised. Do you know that's the perfect time for the enemy to turn up? Because we're not fighting. We're having a moment. You better leave me for a few days. He was totally, the nation was totally reliant on God to do what he said he would do. When God says, Chris, I'm dealing with this, I have to trust that he is not going to kill me in the process. Be willing to go with it. Take captive every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's all kicking off here. The Holy Ghost is turning up. And then I start, I'm judging jury. Look at that dipstick. I think he's doing there. Can we all stand up and raise our hands? You're having a laugh. If I want to put my hands up, I'll put my hands up. And do you know when I start? Because, again, I'm only talking about me. I'm not talking about anything that you would ever think about. When I want to fight against it because I think I know best. Okay. We used this term a few weeks ago in our authentic group. God gave us a prophetic word. And that word was showing us the strings of a tapestry. And in the end, all we see is these bits of threads that come around, not seeing, they're all different colors. And it's only when it's turned over, you see what the true picture was. And God is working in lives and he's joining us together in these connections where these connections being made in the house, outside of the house, international links, whatever. And it just looks like pieces of string. And then he's going to turn it over. And when he turns it over, you'd be better be there to see it. You'd better be there to see it, I'm telling you. And this we spend two minutes on and we're done. Here's the how. In Psalm 34, verse 11, it says, Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. This is God speaking himself to a nation. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The onus of the fear of the Lord first started with him. He said, right, because of sin, because of separation, because you're not used to my presence and you don't know how to handle it, it's all right, guys, I'm going to, pardon the pun, idiot's guide to the fear of the Lord. Idiot's, or the dummy's guide, there you go, thanks, Gaff. The dummy's guide to the fear of the Lord. Only go, see, if I turn around and said, Andy, you're a dummy, he might get slightly offended by it, yeah? Go into Waterstones and see rack after rack after rack. Cooking for dummies. Relationships for dummies. Crossing the road for dummies. Picking your nose for dummies. Whatever subject you've got, you're always ignorant about until you start doing it. So God says, the onus is with me. I will start to take you from the clumsy giraffe, just being born, can't walk bit. You know that kind, you know what I'm talking about, the animal when it's first born. And it can't find its feet and it's having the Bambi moment. I'll help you through that so that you can stand. 
Is that all right? Deuteronomy 31.12 says this. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your land so that they can listen and learn the fear of the Lord, your God, and follow carefully all of my words. So I will teach you, but a people are then kept in the fear of the Lord as they come under the word. Men, women, children, foreigners, whoever you are, bring it in. And as the word is declared, if I take it into my heart, it will help to establish the fear of God in my life. It's not about superstition. It's not about what do I need to do. It's not about having a bit of holy water at the back or cross yourself three times. It's not about that. It's as I find myself in his word, as I find myself giving him honor, reverence, praise, I learn to worship. I learn to come aside just for being with him. I will walk in the fear of the Lord without thinking I need the fear of the Lord. It's already there. I just add to it. And finally, the conclusion is this. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Brilliant verse. Again from the Amplified. Are you ready? All has been heard. The end of the matter is fear God. Revere and worship him, knowing that he is. And keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. The full original purpose of his creation. The object of God's providence the root of his character, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustments in all inharmonious circumstances and the condition under the sun. The whole duty of every man is to fear the Lord. If I learn to acknowledge him in all of my ways, I will walk, establish, build and grow the fear of the Lord. He will be my fountain of life. He will be my confidant. He will push away death. And there will be no lack. Let's stand to our feet. Church, we must address as a matter of urgency in your own prayers. Maybe God has spoken to you in 21 days as it is. Deal with familiarity. Oh, we could go, if we want to get smart, we could go down the lines of a familiar spirit and this and that. Familiarity will always take us out. I learn to address him. New to me are your thoughts every morning, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness. He meets me new every morning. I meet him and he meets me because he's not familiar with me. I should never be familiar with him. In church, hear the text that I'm using, the context. Get your feet off God's coffee table. Get your feet off his furniture. This is God's house. And in this house, as Pastor Tony covered for many months and took us right down in depth, there are table manners. But when I apply life, covenant, pushing back death, breaking forward of lack, He confines in us. He brings us into skill, understanding, wisdom. Gives me everything I need for life and godliness. So take your feet off his furniture. Let's just raise our hands. My God, I just pray this morning 
that, Lord God, Father, what's of me will just be diminished, but, Lord God, I pray what's of you and that call of that spirit, Lord God, will just move into our hearts this morning. Father God, I pray that you will forgive us from where we've just been familiar, when we've just come in and thought we can act any way we want. But, Lord God, I pray that you will teach us the reverent awe and fear of God. That, Lord God, we are not cowering in a corner because we run into your presence. We run to be where you are. But, Lord, we're not quick. We don't want to be quick to run back out. Oh, my God, Father, you desire to say that you will raise houses in this nation across the world. That would almost be when they lifted their praise and their worship. There will be a fragrance that goes up to heaven, Lord God, that you are going to delight in. Lord God, make this house that house. Make it, Lord God, Father, that we learn to respond to you. That when you're walking in the midst, that when you're turning up, Lord God, in any environment, we say yes to you. We say yes to the Holy Ghost. We don't want to fight you any longer. We want to be just so sensitive to the Holy Ghost. We need you to train us, to work with us. Lord God, to cause us to grow. That, Lord God, may 21 days just be a springboard into the rest of our lives of knowing you, walking with you, of you making your word so real to us. May there be a people here, Lord God, who know your covenant, who know your promises, who learn to say yes to you, who, Lord God, can be a people where there is no lack, who build you a place of honour, a place of, of glory, a place, Lord God, Father, where you want to dwell and not leave, a place where we recognise instantly that God is in the house. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Amen.